It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Today, a transformative conversation on trauma, resilience, and triumph with a remarkable woman who survived the unspeakable horrors of the Holocaust. Dr. Edith Eva Eager is a pioneer in the field of psychology, teaching people how to use their pain to help them heal. We first met on The Oprah Show. And I'm so happy today to be here alive and turn my life into something useful that I can guide people from victimization to empowerment. At age 90, Dr. Eager wrote her first book, The Choice, Embrace the Possible. Her powerful message rings true for me. She writes that our painful experiences are not a liability. They are a gift. I am forever changed by her story, and I know you will be too. I'm so excited to be talking to you, even though we did almost like 21 years ago. About, yes. You were sitting in the audience. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I was shaking. I didn't know what I was going to say. And, uh -huh. But today it's different. Yes. I'm just saying, well, God will tell my heart what to say. Absolutely. And then I'll say it. And then you'll say it. And that's it. That's right. Let God speak through you. So last year at age 90, you published your first book. Yes. You waited till 90 to do it. <laughs> yes, it's, it's beautiful. It's called The Choice, Embrace the Possible, which has become an international now bestseller. And you're now 91. Yes. And, you know, I said this on National Book Day in O Magazine. I think it's impossible to read your story and not to be forever changed by it. Oh, yes. kind of you to say that. Yes, yes, yes. Born into a Hungarian Jewish family in 1927, Edith Eager's father, Louis, was a tailor. Her mother, Alona, was a homemaker and civil servant. She had two older sisters, Clara, a violin prodigy, and Magda, a noted beauty. At the age of five, Edith began studying ballet, then took up gymnastics. She even trained for the Olympics. The family was living a life full of hope for the future. At 16, Edith's world tragically changed in an instant. Nazi soldiers raided her home. 
eventually sending the family on a cattle train to Auschwitz. Edith's sister Clara, studying in Budapest, was not captured. Upon arrival at the death camp, Edith's parents were immediately sent to the gas chamber. She never saw them again. Edith and Magda endured grueling conditions while imprisoned at Auschwitz. Fleeing from Allied forces, the Nazis pushed the sisters and thousands of others to the brink of death on a march over 35 miles. On May 4, 1945, their liberation came when they were rescued by American troops. Later, Edith and Magda miraculously reunited with their sister Clara. By 1949, Edith married. She and her husband, Bella, migrated to the United States, barely speaking English. Together, they raised their three children. Through sheer tenacity and will, she earned her college degree, a master's, and ultimately her PhD, and became a world-renowned psychologist. At 91, she is still, to this day, working with trauma survivors. Your story is astonishing that you actually survived. It's also a guide, I would say, and a roadmap to teach others how to heal from any kind of trauma. Yes. Because you took your greatest pain and turned it into a powerful tool for yourself. Is that correct? We have it within us. We have that possibility within us that we can really find the a meaning in suffering and to be able to turn it for an opportunity to discover something within us we never thought was possible. Mm. And that's what Auschwitz was all about, discovery, to find the power within you. Yes. So I love how you began on page nine saying, I would love to help you discover how to escape the concentration camp of your own mind yes. and become the person you were meant to be. Free. I would love to help you experience freedom from the past, freedom from failures and fears, freedom from anger and mistakes, freedom from regret and unresolved grief, and the freedom to enjoy the full, rich, feast of life. Yeah. We cannot choose to have a life free of hurt, but we can choose to be free, to escape the past, no matter what befalls us, and to embrace the possible. Yes. I invite you to make the choice <laughs> to be free. Because the more choices we have, the less we be a victim of the past, or even a hostage and a prisoner of the past. And even you, who experienced and survived Auschwitz, who experienced and survived the death march, all of which we'll talk about later, say we choose to be victims, that victimization is something that happens to us, but we choose to be victims. Yes. How so? Yes, because uh, I am not a victim. Uh, it's not my identity. It's what was done to me. Uh -huh. And that is very important that it's not my identity, that I'm a whole person who can have joy and passion today rather than living in a past and 
becoming, unfortunately, prisoner and the hostage of the past. And I think this is so important because so often when anyone is traumatized, yes. and you say there's no hierarchy in suffering, so your trauma cannot be compared to someone else's trauma. Exactly. If it's trauma for you, it's trauma and it's real. Exactly, because when a woman comes to me and tells me that I was sexually abused, but I don't know how to tell you because you were in Auschwitz, and my answer is, you were more in Auschwitz in a sense than I do because I knew the enemy and you didn't. Mm, that is so powerful. Isn't it? Yes, so powerful. Yes. So your point is that you can choose to live in the world of calling yourself and then defining yourself as a victim or you can step out of that. Yes, because you always find a victimizer yes. when you are a victim. Yes. And one thing we have to be sensitive of not to blame the victim. Yes. Because, you know, mom didn't have a choice. That's why I'm saying that you cannot be a victim without a victimizer. Mm -hmm. And then you can blame someone and not take full responsibility. Well, what I, what I think is so important, so valuable about your story is that you take us into the camps. We get to experience your hunger, your pain, your sorrow, your loss, and yet you come out and write the story in order to do exactly what I just said, mm -hmm. to free other people who are in their own concentration camps in their own mind. Thank so you. it reminds me so much of Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Yes. Take us back to the day your family is leaving your home yes. and your father is standing there yes. looking through the door yes. and the SS guard says to him. Yes, we were having our last Seder and my father got up and kissed us on the head. So we're just here after Seder. Passover. Yes. And we were picked up and, and taken to a brick factory in Kasha, Hungary. Mm -hmm. And that was March 1944. Do you remember what you were thinking when they loaded you all onto the train? You know, one of the things that struck me so in Elie Wiesel's book, Night, when he talks about Moshe the Beetle, who was coming through the town and trying to warn the people of what was happening in other parts of the country and nobody would listen, nobody would listen. So what had you heard and what did you expect when you got on the trains? I had no idea where we're going, what is happening. Nobody ever told us about Auschwitz. I remember when I was in Auschwitz, I always asked myself, does anyone know I'm here? Mm. I felt so thrown out, mm -hmm. left out. Well, it must have felt like, because you were leading a, quote, normal life. You were a dancer. Yes. And you had had a... I had purpose. I had meaning. I had a boyfriend <laughs> who told me I had beautiful eyes yes. and beautiful hands. So I had my curiosity. Mm -hmm. I think that is amazing how curiosity will help you and help me. I wanted to know what's going to happen next. Yes. That's the kind of girl you were at that moment. Yes. What's going to happen next? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. And so you get literally pulled, plucked out of this life. Totally. And put on the trains. Yeah. And you're on the trains for how long? I Stacked like cattle against long, each other. A long, long time. And that's when my mom hugged me. And she said, we don't know where we're going. Just remember, no one can take away from you what you put here in your own mind. Once you get there, there's this moment I had the privilege of visiting Auschwitz uh, with Elie Wiesel. And in that moment, when you walk through the gates, yeah. you move to the left and you yeah. move to the right. Yeah. And as you're in line at the gate, yeah. the infamous Dr. Bengala, yes. the angel of death doctor, yes. was standing there. Yes. And tell us what happened. Well, my mom was in the middle, and my sister Magda on one side and I on the other side. And then he asked, is this your mother or is this your sister? And I could never, ever forgive myself that I said, it's my mother. So he pointed my mother to go to the lab, and I followed my mom. And then he grabbed me and looked me in the eyes. I never forget those eyes. And he said in German, I spoke German fluently, that I'm going to see my mother very soon. She's just going to take a shower and promptly threw me on the other side, which meant life. Life. So you think that my life was in Dr. Mangala's hand? I think God had a plan for me to mm. be here with you today. Absolutely. Don't go anywhere. More to come after this short break. No two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas' 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Hours after her parents were murdered at Auschwitz in May of 1944, Edith was called upon to dance for Dr. Joseph Mengele. He's the notorious Nazi officer known as the Angel of Death. It was her mother's parting words, Edith says, that gave her the strength to perform. She said to her daughter, just remember, no one can take away from you what you put in your mind. I closed my eyes and I pretended that the music was Tchaikovsky 
and I was dancing the Roma and Juliet at the Budapest Opera House. So when I was there a couple of years ago, with so you're standing in the barracks, but in, in your the, imagination, I was, you were I was at the Budapest Opera world. House. Yes, you were in another world. Yes, and then he gave me some bread, which I shared with the girls. And it's so interesting and powerful how the sharing of that bread in that moment, saved my life. yeah, many months later, saved yeah. your life. Because on the as, death march. As you all are on the death march exactly. and you were exhausted oh. and faint and your back is broken. When I was about to stop, that the girls that I shared the bread with, they formed a chair in their arms and they carried me so I won't die. Isn't that amazing that the worst can bring out the best uh, in No, I, I, you know what? I just thought when I read that, that's the reason why I, it, it's a story that impacted me so deeply is because a little gesture of kindness yes. that you had yes. made months ago yes. when you were given a loaf of bread and you know that everybody else yes. is starving, you offered your, yes. some of your bread and that person comes along and says, I'm going to help you because you gave me bread. Yes. This is what I, I love reading and understanding that- Thank you for reading it, yes. it's so lovely. Thank you, you say, in my first weeks at Auschwitz, I learned the rules of survival. If you can steal a piece of bread from the guards, you're a hero. Exactly. But if you steal from an inmate, you are disgraced. Totally. You, you, you die. Yes. Competition and domination get you nowhere. Yes. Cooperation, Cooperation is the name of the game. Exactly. To survive is to transcend your own needs That's right. and commit yourself to someone or something outside yourself. What I loved is that this, it, there, is, there is a rule of order. Yes. That even in the worst of times, yes. when people have been starved and beaten and you're watching your loved ones go up in smoke on a daily basis, that you still maintain a moral center. Yes. Not only that, but also kindness and integrity. Yes. Was so important. I work with families now and I write constitutions because if you don't have rules, you're going to have chaos. Right. And so you're telling us that even within the barracks, there were rules of yes. order, kindness, yes. and cooperation. Cooperation, mm -hmm. yeah. Not competition, not competition. Or domination. And was I everybody think, that way? Because I would imagine that when you're at your hungriest and you're at your worst, you've been starved and demeaned and demoralized, literally. I that think you... the real you came out there. Your genuine self, your, your true, it reveals right. who you really are. Because you don't have any yes, adornments, you have no nothing, nothing to say, no. I am of value. It was a place of discovery, your genuine, true, self, whether you are a person who is a giver or a taker, and you had to go beyond the me, 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 and commit ourselves to I, it. I, I find it also a poignant moment when, after your mother has gone to the left, you and your sister go to the right, yes. and you're taken in and your heads are shaved. That's yes, the first thing completely. they do. Completely. Completely your heads are shaved. Yes. And you said she actually looked like you know, she asked me, how do I look? Yes. And this is what I tell people, that you have a choice now. 
whether you pay attention of what you don't have or what you lost, or find something that is still here. I realized that I became Magda's mirror. You and were her mirror. I was her mirror, and I had a choice to tell her how she really, really looked. Instead, I said to her, Magda, you have beautiful eyes, and I didn't see it when you had your hair all over the place. Mm. I don't know how that came to mm. me. Sometimes I tell people, if you want to say something, if it's not kind, don't say it. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath and ask, you know, what am I going to say right now? And is it going to empower that person? Yes. She's in front of me, and I said what I thought. Would save her in that moment, or would help her in that moment. Yeah. To go back to that quote, to survive is to transcend your own needs and commit yourself to someone or something yeah. outside yourself. I think that having Magda there was a part of your will I, to I stay love, alive, and so Sarah. was hers, was it yes. not? We took care of each other. She'll tell you she took care of me, and I'm going to tell you I took care of her. <laughs> so who are you going to listen to? <laughs> I think you're both right. Yes. I think we're both right. Yes. Tell me why so many people who came out of the multiple camps never wanted to speak of it again. Yes, I, I think... Because you thought once you were free, now you're free. People would go through the gate, and then they would come back. Our selling man talks about beautifully and the learned helplessness mm -hmm. theory that we didn't know what to do with freedom. So now you're free. So we would go back and sit down and not knowing, so what now? You know, as I read that, I thought, I'm sure that happened to many slaves too. Many slaves. Unfortunately, in our culture, we don't have the voices to let us know exactly what happened. And obviously no one is still living who lived through slavery. However, that had to be the case for so many people that you have been, particularly if you've been a slave your entire life, you now don't even know what to do with freedom to and what freedom. that actually means. Now, that surprised me when it came to people who had been victimized by the Holocaust, had been survivors of the Holocaust, because it hadn't been your whole life. It had just been, for you, a couple of years. We didn't know PTSD. There yeah. was no such a thing. Right. We wanted to be normal. It must be you who have worked on your trauma extensively and now help other people to work on their trauma. But I was thinking it must be jarring for you as an American now to see young children at the border being separated from their parents. I have nightmares. Yes, because you lived that. I, I have nightmares. I still do have nightmares. I want to do everything in my power to acknowledge that this is a country of immigrants and the enemy is not outside of us, it's right here. Mm -hmm. I want to do everything in my power to see to it that we can unite. Well, I think you're doing that. I think this book and the words that you literally somehow were able to pour from your heart, were able to dig into the bowels of your soul and pour these words right straight from your heart. Exactly, you know. Those people... words are going to live with me and everyone who reads this book, who has the privilege of reading your story. It was very freeing for me, and I, th I thought I was already pretty free. 
but it just reaffirmed for me that no matter what is going on in my life or anyone who is listening or watching us right now, you have the choice. Yes. You have yes, the choice. You have the choice to really see the light and see a gift in everything. Everything has a gift in it. So even in Auschwitz, you could find that? Even in Auschwitz, I could really, truly found that part in me that the Nazis could throw me in the gas chamber any minute, beat me, torture me. There's one thing they could never do is murder my spirit. And that's what I bring. Yeah. That spirit that I discovered in Auschwitz that I can turn to. And you write the book for every person who is experiencing their own personal prison, yeah. whether it be from a boss or from a relationship, from a marriage, from yes. not being where you feel like you should be already at this particular time in your life. Your expectations. Your expectations, not... yes. On May 4th, 1945, close to one year after being imprisoned by the Nazis, an American soldier from the 71st Infantry discovered Edith lying beneath a pile of dead bodies with a broken back, typhoid fever, pneumonia, and pleurisy. Edith was barely alive. You, you, first of all, discovered on a heap of bodies, imagine this, everyone listening to us now, you're basically left for dead. You were yeah. just about dead. Yeah. You had every single possible injury. Yes. Yeah. I had five kinds of typhoid fever. I was put in a hospital. They put me in a cast and- Your back was broken. My back was broken. How are you, were you standing and walking? How do you do a death march with your uh, yeah. back broken? I, you know, it's amazing what can happen under certain circumstances that you never thought would be possible today. Yeah, but, but you know, we can see now, but you don't know when you're in the midst of it that the hand of God is upon you. I mean, it's okay. very hard to see in a concentration camp. Yes. So that moment, when you and your sister are on the death march, and I think you're walking up the stairs, yeah. and there are all these stories about what happens to you on the other side of the stairs. People were saying what about those stairs? On the other side, you get thrown off. On the other side, you get shot. Yes, yes. And the steps experience was in Mauthausen mm -hmm. when we were walking up the steps, and I saw nothing but body parts and blood, and, and I said, well, here I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. And we, we were well, You gonna, were practically dead by then anyway. I was, I you thought, you know, this is You had for days, and your back exactly. is broken, and you have fever. Today, if I don't have lunch, you know, <laughs> I think I'm going to die. <laughs> I think it was about two weeks we got nothing, and I'm here to tell you about it. Astonishing. You know. So you get almost to the top of the stairs where death is a certainty. Yeah. And I think there are two other women ahead of you. Yeah. And for some reason, you get turned the other way. Right. Yes. Right. What was your mantra? My mantra? Yes. 
If I survive today, if I survive today, then tomorrow I will show my boyfriend my eyes and my hands. Yes. It was the boyfriend that told me I have beautiful eyes because when I was put on a cattle car, he said, I'll never forget your beautiful eyes and beautiful hands. I know. So this is what I said. Yeah. You know, if I survive today, then tomorrow I'll be free. Yeah. The way you wrote that, it felt like a scene out of a movie. You're in the cattle car. There are the thousands of bodies squeezed up against each other. And through the slats in the cattle car, yeah. he yells, I'll, I will never forget your eyes and your hands. Yes. And that, those words are what you held on to throughout the, the curiosity yes. that, uh, that this is temporary mm -hmm. and I can survive it. Mm -hmm. And really, everything is temporary. But by the time you had gotten to the death march, which goes on for days and days, yes. and, but in this moment where you get turned away and yes. you don't, could you feel the hand of God then or did you lose God in the camp? I discovered God in the camp. Mm -hmm. People ask me, where was God in Auschwitz? And I say, God was with me. God didn't kill my parents. People did. We're not born to hate. Mm -hmm. We're born with love. Mm -hmm. We learn to hate. We are taught that I'm better than somebody else. So I ask people to be good parents to themselves. Mm -hmm. And to be, of course, tell the children that marriage is not about raising your voice. Because children don't do what we say, they do what they see. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. One of the things I want to emphasize that this book is also about, it's about keeping secrets and what keeping secrets do to us. You say, when we force our truths and stories into hiding, secrets can become their own trauma, their own prison. Far from diminishing pain, whatever we deny ourselves, the opportunity to accept 
becomes as inescapable as brick walls and steel bars. When we don't allow ourselves to grieve our losses, wounds and disappointments, we are doomed to keep reliving them. Yeah, thank you so much for saying that because all therapy is grief. You know, my granddaughter is here right now and when she was born, the pediatrician said that she may become a ballerina and I said, oh, now I can die because my blood is in her. Yeah. But when she went to bishop school and asked me to buy her a dress so she can go to her dance, I came home and I, out of the blue, I was crying and I didn't get it. How come I am crying? I just bought Lindsay a dress. And it made me realize that I didn't cry because Lindsay went to a dance, I cried because I never went to a dance. I had this experience that became clarified when I read your story. So let me tell you, one of my dear friends, who's like, I'm the godmother of a young girl who is uh, my best friend's daughter. And when she was a little girl, she was at my house and she was like three years old. And she said to her mother, mom, can I have some strawberries? And her mother said, ask Annie O if you can have the strawberries. I said, sure, you can have the strawberries. And I watched her mother cut the strawberries for her yeah. in little, tiny little, and made a little flower and handed them to her to eat. Wow. And the delight and joy yeah. that she experienced watching and watching her mother do that, I thought, oh, that's what a mother Isn't, does. That's, that's what, what a mother does. And I started to cry watching them. Yeah. Because I thought, well, that's what love is. That's what a mother does. And it wasn't until I read your book that I realized I wasn't crying about the strawberries. I was crying for the loss that I had, that no one had ever done that for me. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. Yes, because it's not what happened, but what didn't happen. It's, that's what's so powerful it's about this book. Yes. That's what's so powerful about this book. It's not just what happened, it's also what didn't happen. What did not happen. Yeah, well, that's what I got. And all this time I was thinking, oh, I'm crying about the strawberries. I'm crying because, oh, that was so loving, and I get to see what love is. I'm really crying for the loss. Because I ask, especially women, when did your childhood end? Mm. And I think that is very important because you have been abused or touched inappropriately. Yes. You had the shame. Yes. The shame. The shame that you carry with you. And then you grow up and you end up shaming well, yourself. And yes, and what creates the shame, for everyone who's listening to us, what creates the shame is the secret. Yeah. Is holding the secret. Yes. Is holding the secret. Yes. It takes so much energy to resist. Yes. And have your secret. Yes. And then the secret has you. And the secret has you. So when you learned that the secrets actually force us to relive the pain. But not to get stuck in there. Not to get stuck Going in Going through the valley of the shadow yeah. of death. Yeah. I don't forget what happened. And people tell me you overcame. No, I didn't. I was going to have a beautiful steak dinner the other day in San Diego and I'm walking on cobblestones. Mm -hmm. Immediately, I was back when children were spitting at us and calling us in German, dogs and swine and mm -hmm. pigs. And, and I felt so sorry for those children 
that they were taught to hate me. Mm. And then when I was doing my doctoral work in a military hospital, I ended up working with German families, and the little girl ran to me, comes to my lap, and calls me Oma. Oh. And so you, you see how things evolve. But that had been one of your dreams, actually, as I recall that you write in the book, that Magda would say she wanted revenge, she wanted to kill. You said, I want one day for these German children yeah. or German people right. to see me as a, as yeah. a real human. And, and it happened, mm -hmm. and it's happening now as well. I also took care of a young man who was part of the David Koresh mm -hmm. uh, yes. group. Yes, yes. And he never knew who I was, but he told me that he's going to kill all the Jews and all the, using the N-word, and, and I and had he was one of your patients. Yes, he was sent to me by yes, the judge. by the judge. And so I say that because there is a difference between reacting or responding. Yes. See, when you read, so you, react, you as a Jewish woman who's experienced Auschwitz, he didn't know it, comes to you and says, I want to kill all the Jews right. and all the, yes. using all the disparaging language to describe all the other ethnicities. You do what? I turn to God. You talk to God. And I realized that God sent this young man to me because the most obnoxious person is your best teacher. And it's up to me to create the environment where he could feel any feelings with me without the fear of being judged. And that's what I did. I opened myself up and asked him to tell me more. But if I would have reacted, mm -hmm. I would have shaken him up. Mm -hmm. I would have if shaken... If you've gone to, how dare how you? Dare you? Do you Talk not know what me. I've been you through? You don't know my mother went yeah. to the gas chamber. I know if I would have reacted. But God sent him my way so I can take a deep breath and be what I was meant to be, a facilitator. I'm not a healer. I facilitate someone's healing. Mm. What is your greatest wish for the offering of this book to the world? What is it you want people to get? To find peace within. They, they stop blaming. Mm -hmm. Because while you blame, you're still a child. Mm. So to be grown-ups, to be adults, and recognize that there is no freedom without responsibility, it's anarchy. So the fact that you've now written this book at 90, the truth is, when you all read the book, The Choice, which I highly, 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 highly recommend, Thank you. it took you a lot of years, like 20 years, you never even spoke of it. No. You never even spoke of it. No, I didn't know how. So you began your own therapy and then became a therapist. I told the therapist what to do with me. <laughs> really, I had tremendous problems with anger. You know, when you're angry, there's a lot of things going on with yes. you. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how there is no forgiveness without rage. I read and that, I, I thought it was so powerful. And I told the therapist, to put me in a fetal position and sit on me mm -hmm. until I got up. Mm -hmm. Yes, experience, not just talking about feeling or medicate feeling. But letting yourself actually but feel, feel it. feel the feeling. Yeah, yeah. And so when you started to work through your own 
pain when yes. you started to recognize it. And invited in. And invited in. Invited Which is the thing most people fear, you know, particularly when you've been traumatized. I think I read where you said that Auschwitz, you were just about survival, but when you came out, it was even worse because now you have to feel the feelings. That's right. Yes. Yeah, that is so beautifully said. Invite the feeling in to feel the feeling, but not to get stuck in there. Mm -hmm. I think that is important that you decide how long will you hold on to that? Yes. I think so many people have been traumatized and don't even know it. But the, you, the, your comment about you can't get to forgiveness without rage. I think that to me is very important to go through the rage. And it's okay. I think God gives us permission yeah. to shake our hands and not to really get stuck in there. And I think you also can't get through it too. It's also what is the central core of the divisiveness in race relations in this country. You can't get through it unless there's been an acknowledgement that you've been wrong. Awareness. Awareness of that. And when there hasn't been that acknowledgement, people rage, rage against it. Yes. Rage against it. And, and there's no way there can ever be forgiveness. Yes. yes. Forgiveness is a gift that you really give to yourself, that not allowing the past to rule your life. So when you say you have forgiven Hitler, you have forgiven the hope that it could have been any different, and you've given yourself permission to go ahead and live. Beautiful, and also forgiving myself, which is the hardest thing. Yes. Self-forgiveness. Mm -hmm. That I said it's my mother, not my sister. And you know what? You and I have one thing in common. We have yet to stop. Yes. You and I are still in the process. We're climbing that mountain. Yes, yes, and yes. And we slip and we climb, but you mm -hmm. know what? You and I never stop climbing. I love that. I love that. Thank you. I love you for having me. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. That's Thank a miracle, you. truly. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean... Every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. One, two, three... Four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.